Yeah, they. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could just test piss off the fucking street, but yeah, what just just you know, I mean, just have some guy out there with a sign. Yeah, well, a, a sign and a whizinator. Like to thank you for putting on the heat at the last minute. I forgot. Oh my god, on the coldest day of the year. It's not the coldest day of the year. Okay, it's like negative like fifteen down here. Or something. Oh, shut up! You're <laughs> fucking such a bitch. If I'd have known this, I'd have bought the hot chocolate. But I didn't bring the hot chocolate. I brought the cold tea. Oh. And now it's even colder. I bought the whole tea. Oh, shit. We're rolling. <laughs> if we weren't, I wouldn't have complained about how freezing it is in here. Uh, how was your week? It's it's Monday. <laughs> I meant from last Monday, you fucking reject Eh, it was all right, I guess. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine too. You know, working. It'll be it'll be better once all the snow outside goes away. Yeah, I I've had enough of the snow. Yeah, it's like every other day. It's like, hey, guess it's like Groundhog Day. It's like snow every other day. You know, I kind of I I've been thinking about this lately, and I think in the last two winters we've gotten spoiled because we've had two pretty mild winters in a row. Yep. Like last year, I didn't even I didn't even get my snowblower out yep. at all last year, and I've had to use it I think now thrice this Ugh. year. It's just, it's been awful. I, well, and I mean, I, like the big storm, I used it three times just in that storm, but like on three separate snow events, I've had to get it out. Snow events? What I, that? What is that snow event? You see? I'm woke. You're, you ain't woke. You ain't, you ain't no woke. You, you're right. I'm not fucking woke. It's a snow event. Oh, speaking of woke, did you see that now Disney Plus is airing a disclaimer ahead of the Muppet show? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, was, I loved it. Are you fucking first, kidding okay, me? Okay, look. First off, first off. All right. The first episode I got to watch on it was Peter Sellers. Okay. Peter Sellers has never he, he's he is I'm trying to think of the way to put it. he's like very white face for different countries. Okay. He did you know, he did the Frenchman. Mm-hmm. Uh he has played um Asian people. Yes. He has played Germans. I mean he's but he does it very what's the word I'm looking for? Not flattering. <laughs> It's it's how he does it. So when they had the disclaimer for the Peter Sellers episode, I was not surprised. He made sure, I mean, he hit all the marks, which is what he always did. Right. But Kermit the Frog, come on, man. How is now, Kermit offensive? No, it's not that they're offensive. It's not that they're offensive. It's just that they took a lot of social liberties that we just don't do nowadays. And it's not every episode. But the Peter Sellers episode got one. Uh, I think it's, you know what? As long as they run it in their entirety, I don't have a problem with it. Because in Peter Sellers ones, they did cigarettes, whiskey, and wild, wild women. Yes. Love that song. And they did it in its entirety. Okay. You know, plus uh, plus they had some Muppets were smoking here and there. I'll kind of give it a pass. You know then. what I mean? It's like if you could just stop for five minutes. Okay, there's a disclaimer. Big whoop. Now, what they did with Splash, they edited out Daryl Hannah's behind. Okay. Was it on regular TV? It probably was at the time, too. <laughs> I've never seen that on regular TV. 
Right. I mean, I can under, and I don't, this is one thing I will never understand about American television as opposed to television in every other part of the fucking world. We can't see a naked ass or a set of titties on TV, but violence is great. Oh, yeah, violence is okay. Whereas you go to another country, it's the opposite. Although the funny part was, with the first time they had a naked behind on TV was NYPD Blue. Yeah. And it was so scandalous, and it was like... Like Sipowitz's ass. Yeah, I was about to say it was Sipowitz's fat ass. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to offend the fat fucks out there. <laughs> yeah, so like that—that that is where we had to start. That is that is France had to start. Yeah, the whole trend, and it's still nowhere even close. Well, to it. let's think about this. Let's think about this. We saw Dennis France's ass. Mm-hmm. Okay, it could have been worse. We could have started this trend back in the late seventies, early eighties. On fish, and we could have saw Abe Vigoda's ass. They don't know what Abe Vigoda's ass. How would you know? I mean, it's Abe Vigoda. <laughs> True, but yeah, if we but if we would have started this in the seventies, we'd still be the same place we are now. Nothing has really changed. We are such a puritanical society when it comes to TV, unless murder, murder, and mayhem are fine. Mm-hmm. Violence is fine. Mm-hmm. The human booby, no. No, no, no bueno, no bueno. Nope. Dude, I lived in Panama for two years, okay? Mm-hmm. Carnival time. When it was carnival, oh my God. You saw everything. <laughs> it was nuts, man. Cine Canal was great. Okay? It was like it was like a National Geographic come to life. Combined with some tasteful Playboy stuff. Tasteful? Right. Playboy I was mean, taste- like I said, it's, Playboy was it's, face- just, it's just the way this country hey, is. Come on, Playboy was tasteful. It wasn't like Hustler when you had the fucking way where you saw beef curtains. I've and never, I've never read any of those. You lie, <laughs> you lie. <laughs> Speaking of which, we did lose one of the great bastions of uh, free speech in this country. Larry Flint passed mm-hmm. away. Yeah, I saw that. Um, agree with him, disagree with him, whatever. Um, Larry Flint was a true champion of the First Amendment, and for that. Mm-hmm. We all owe him a, a, a bit of thanks. Oh, yeah. And The People versus Larry Fent was an all right movie. It was a really good movie. I liked Woody Har- Harrelson in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, and the funny thing was, I found out later in life, him and Jerry Falwell actually became friends. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which is really messed up. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is when uh, uh, Larry Flint goes back to the Hustler offices for the first time after being shot. Yeah. And nobody knows who he is, and just tell everybody the pervert is back. I think I think one of my, I, and it's weird to say this is one of the I think the most poignant scenes in the movie um, was when uh, that you know you learn he comes back and and um, his wife's character has has AIDS. Yes, and no one will like speak to her. No one looks at her. No one you know considers her. And all he does is he has him line up, shake her hand, shake her hand. You know, it's just. You know, all you know, saying he knew, you know, the risks and all that, and he was making sure that you know everybody was you know was keeping his own people. Say, if you want to be here, you're gonna act right. You're gonna have to deal with Althea, and you're gonna have yeah. to you're gonna have to act right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Larry Flint uh, was he he was maybe not the most quality human being in a lot of people's eyes, but I have a ton of respect for Larry Flint. No, it. it is you know he fought for the First Amendment. Yes, up and down, put himself 
uh, in in you know in harm's way many times. I'm not talking physically, like I mean, no, uh, his business, yeah, his business. I mean, he would, you know, did everything possible, and he, you know, he fought. He and he, you, know, you wouldn't have a lot of stuff going on today without you know Larry Flint saying, "Hey, you know, parody is okay." Yeah, satire is okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're 100 percent right. You know, very, very recently, a lot of, you know, politicians wanted to get a lot of things shut down, Saturday Night Live especially. Yeah. Because they make fun of people. Yeah. And it was never a problem up until then. All of a sudden, it's like, no, you, and Saturday Night Live even knows you you, you can make fun of, you can satire. We need court jesters in yes. entertainment. Yes, we do. The court jester was the only one in the ancient kingdoms that could actually make fun of the king and not be killed. Right. Awesome power that is. Oh, oh my God. That is that is phenomenal power. It's power I would like to have. Yep. Too bad I don't know any kings to make fun of. Just you. Oh, you think I'm a king? That's awesome. You, no, 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 no. You're yeah. a you're but a did, wee Did I take that the wrong way? Yes, you did. You're but a wee <laughs> pawn in the game. I'm at least a knight. No, no, no. You're but a wee pawn in the game. Possibly a rook. No, no. If anything, oh no, wait, no. They do go sideways. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not even getting into that one with you. I don't want to know where you go. I don't need to know where you go. Uh, move on, move on, move on. Moving on, moving on. Do we want to talk about our uh, first Hall of Fame inductions? Sure. All right. So as we discussed on the last episode, we are going to come up with. Basically, it's the Oh No, Not Them Hall of Fame. Yes. And our first category this time around, because we want to do this maybe twice a year. Our first category this time around is going to be a band or musician who has had the most impact on our life. Okay, I didn't do most because I figured we'd be doing this like, Every so often. Right. So I just was like a a great influence in the life. Okay. Okay. I, I can go along with that. Because I don't know where most is. I didn't I didn't prep at all, all for this. I did. I, I, for, I, I forgot the paper. I mentally but prepped. But I, I member, memorized everything. I mentally prepped. Okay. Who you got? Okay. The first uh, artist or band is Buckner and Garcia, who did the album Pac-Man Fever. Oh my God! It was the first album I ever owned, and I and I collect albums. Okay, I got. I you know I, what I mean. So, I can, and it was the first album I owned. Plus, I mean, video games for me at the time. I mean, I was in the arcade constantly. I mean, to me, I mean, like I said, it was one of the, it was my favorite album at that time. And when it got broken because of my own youthful stupidity, it took me till I was probably about twenty-two years old, until I bought another one. Okay. Okay. On on you know, and the and that was like the again one of the first albums that I got into with collecting. Right. Okay. I can respect that. I can I can respect the thought process that went into that. What? There's no friggin' points in this, you half wit. Sorry. And even so, I will erase that point right now. All right. All right. All right. There's no need to be huffy about it. My nominee is Black Sabbath. Okay, good, good call. Black Sabbath, uh, you know, they're the progenitors, uh, the originators. 
the perfectors of heavy metal. With without Black Sabbath, there is no heavy metal. Nope, none at all. And there's none of the subgenres of heavy metal without Black Sabbath. Yep. And even beyond um, the Black Sabbath catalog, you've got what Ozzy did as a solo. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, it, the impact for me personally that Black Sabbath has had on my life cannot be overstated. I wouldn't be a musician if it wasn't for Black Sabbath. I wouldn't be into heavy metal if it wasn't for Black Sabbath. You know, I, I the first out al- and the first one of the first albums I ever owned. I got a bunch of them for Christmas one year, and it was the first batch of albums that I actually owned. Mm-hmm. Was Black Sabbath Master of Reality? Oh, good one! Great record. Uh, you know, it, it, Black Sabbath. I you can never go wrong with Black Sabbath. Nope. All right. So for our next category. We're going to go with an actor or actress. Okay. Who you got? All right. <laughs> Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno. I need to hear the rationale behind this. I was not, I did not watch a lot of television when I was younger. Okay. But I did, was able to watch The Incredible Hulk. And I. The Hulk was my absolute favorite uh, car- cartoon character, Marvel character, uh, hero, if it were. I mean, I had Hulk everything when I was growing up. I was I was obsessed. You're wearing Hulk Hulk underoos right now, aren't you? I don't I don't wear underoos. It's not what I was told. But no, but I for Jim for, verify in, that for in the beginning of in the beginning of now he was eventually replaced by Spider Man because I got to meet Spider Man personally. When I was a little bit older, but in the beginning, it was the Hulk who got me into. I mean, he was like the first superhero, right? Larger than life that I knew, and and that's all to Lou Ferrigno. Didn't care about Bill Bixby. It was all about Ferrigno. Yeah, it was like let's let's get mad, green eyes, flip a car. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I absolutely, and that was one of the shows that I was allowed to watch. So it was a very formative show. In my in, not as formative as the TV show I'm going to pick, but very formative. Right. Okay. For for actor, I'm going to go with a little more contemporary. I'm going to go with Edward Norton. Ah, the Hulk. Yep. There. There you go. <laughs> Edward Norton was in the Hulk in a later Hulk movie, but uh, I'm I I've never been dissatisfied. With a performance of Edward Norton. I think the guy has a fantastic range. I think he throws himself wholeheartedly into pretty much any role that he takes. And uh, I've never really seen a stinker of an Ed Norton movie. Uh, anything he touches, or anything he, he's attached to, I'll watch. Okay. And, and there's a lot of actors that I won't give that that to. All right. Okay, TV show. <laughs> I think I know where you're going. Which one is it? I'm going to say Monty Python's Flying Circus. No. Really? I did not get into Monty Python until probably after I met you. Oh, okay. Because I wasn't big on watching MTV because there was no reason because it was a sinful channel. But, <laughs> but, but early on, early on, 
The Three Stooges. I can respect that. Yes, and also the Three Stooges were inadvertently taught me some things other than actually the TV show because they weren't on till eleven o'clock at night on Channel Eleven. Uh huh. I would sneak out of bed to come downstairs, and I would always get caught for a while. My mother would constantly tell me how she caught me. So you learn. Put the volume back the way it was. Put the channel back the way it was. Put all the, you know, make sure you don't sit on the couch so the pillows don't get messed up. Cover your tracks. Exactly. The Three Stooges taught me how to cover my tracks. There you go. And that's very influential. There you go. But I still love, I just recently at a Walmart they had, was one of my last trips to Walmart. They had the entire 191 um, Stooges. All the shorts. All the shorts. Damn. Every one of them. And I... I mean, there are ones, of course, that I've never seen. Yeah. Because a lot of them weren't in the public domain. They were all been digitally restored. Uh-huh. And they're just amazing to just watch all over again. What's your favorite Stooges uh, short? Oh, God, I haven't even seen them all, but... Uh, oh. Or, or, it's it's really... it's. Don't uh, call it a favorite, but pick I don't one. E- like I said, I'm not even sure there are favorites, but um, I think it's the one... I can't remember the name of it, but uh, Curly was the Grand Maha. Three Little Kings. Yeah. Oh, Maha. Aha. Yeah. But then later on, that's the, the Clam episode was in that one, too, I think. I believe so. And it's like those things just had me laughing all the time. I mean, then you as you watch stuff, you realize they reuse plots. They reuse devices. I mean. Oh, yeah. But when you, just some of some of this stuff just always just completely makes me laugh for no reason. One and I don't even know when it's one of the best bits. I, I you know I can't see, I can't see. What's the matter? I got my eyes closed. <laughs> just, <laughs> just gets a slap for it. And you know as well as I do, I was constantly, I mean, emulating that kind of goofy. Oh yeah. And I still, I still enjoy the Three Stooges to this day. Oh, so do I. So do I. Respanya de paradigma, ha. Yep. You like to speak that? I like to talk that. <laughs> One of my favorite episodes. I love that episode. Yeah, and I and they, like having them all. I mean, I'm I'm more of a Shemp fan than I'm Curly though. Sometimes, yeah, because Shemp really threw himself into it. Oh my God, yeah. And the one where he was getting married. Oh my God, he just. I mean, he just takes the abuse beautifully. He did. He took more abuse than Curly ever did, and more than the other. And Joe Besser and Curly Joe. Whatever. I was just about to ask you, what are your thoughts on Joe Besser and Curly Joe Dorita? Joe Besser, I couldn't stand him. Not so hard. Yeah, well, I know that there was a lot of stuff that he wouldn't, he would not be hit. I mean, he had a lot of, uh, but I didn't, I know I, like, Nick at Night was big too, and I remember him from the Jack Benny show. Yeah. And all that stuff they showed on Nick at Night, and I never liked the person. It was like one, a one-note wonder. Right. Curly Joe, though, he was funny near the end. I mean, he he had this wonderful, likable quality. He reminded me of a grandfather figure. Yeah, Joe Dorito wasn't too bad. Yeah, um, Joe Besser was the shits. That was the worst era of the Stooges. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I mean, obviously, I love the ones with Curly. I love the ones with Shemp. Uh, I just love the Stooges. Mm-hmm. Um, for my TV show, I have to go with Mash. Okay, Mash to this day is one of my. F- one of my favorite shows. It's a go-to. It's streaming on Hulu. And there are times I'll just, I'll plop my ass down and I'll watch three, four episodes of MASH at a shot. 
I just love the show. Um, e- even the evolution of the show is a really cool. It's it's cool to watch the evolution of the show. The first seasons with Colonel Blake and uh, Major Burns involved, and Larry Gelbart was doing mo- most of the writing mm-hmm. and most of the directing. And then later on, you get uh, uh, Colonel Potter in, and Major Burns leaves, and we get Major Winchester. And Alan Alda takes over a bit of the writing and a lot of the directing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it became that's when the show became kind of more preachy. Oh, yeah. It became more preachy, but it's still, there's still some good quality stuff, even in the later episodes. Also, I know that in the later episodes, Alan Alda really kind of Kevin Smith it. There he he got all the good lines. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't know if that caused sour grapes among the cast. Oh, most likely. But I, but, I would think. But still, I mean, it's to to have a show that lasted longer than the war it was depicted on. <laughs> I know, right? Now, have you seen the movie? Uh, only bits and pieces okay. of it. The original Mash movie. I I also love that. I, I love the, the the original movie with Elliot Gould, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, who else was in there? Anyway, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the movie. I was I'm a huge fan of the TV show. I love I love Mash, and there are, there are to this day, and I've seen every episode numerous times. There are still moments in that show that that tug at my heartstrings a little bit. Mm. You know, um, the the episode Abyssinia Henry. When Colonel Blake dies, ah yes, the I thought what they did as a uh, as a device to get a genuine um, a reaction out of the cast by not telling anybody what Radar's lines were mm. when he came into the OR. I thought that was really good. I thought that was really creative, and I th- you know and that was like I'm like oh shit, that was really cool that they did that. And of course, you know the the final episode, "Goodbye, Farewell, Amen," uh, still one of the highest rated, most watched TV shows in American mm-hmm. history, and it's an absolute classic. Yep, I love Mash. Yep, Mash is a, my mom watched Mash a lot, so I that that theme song was ingrained in my head. Suicide is painless, but I don't think I ever, I never really sat and really watched it. You know, I knew the characters and their their dynamics. But I never really sat and watched it, and I think I by the time I looked at it, uh, there was it was only Potter, not Blake. Okay, yeah, you know, I got the, it. And Harry Morgan is the only guy that ever got demoted in Mash as different characters. Oh yeah, the first time <laughs> Harry Morgan was on the show, he was a two star general. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he was a two star general. He wasn't General Potter. It was a different character completely. Yeah. And then he came. He was later cast as Colonel Potter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a little interesting aside on Mash. This one's going to be interesting. Non-human. Uh, oh, we're up to non-human. We're up to non-human. Mine. Well, mine is going to be. Well, it'll be easy when I explain it. My non-human is the board game Monopoly. Oh. Now, now, hear me out. Growing up, no, I, I, I love Monopoly. <laughs> I, I used to really love Monopoly. I mean, I growing up, it was one of the games that I played all the time. I think it's, I still have about five versions of it. 
Uh-huh. Um, I like I won't get rid of them. As a matter of fact, for my playing piece for some of my modern board games, I use the Golden Train as one of my playing pieces. That's um, I had a calculator. I would study strategy on it. And this is before the internet. You know, I I knew like, um, and I was pretty much unstoppable in the game. As a matter of fact, I was so good at it that Lisa finally took a picture of it when she finally beat me in the game. Many, many, many years later. I think it was it was probably in, uh, I know it was probably about 2000, 2001. She finally beat me, and she was so thrilled about it because I was pretty much unstoppable. But Monopoly started me down the path where I am today where I just have a lot of board games. Monopoly was the first. Hmm. And now I have over, uh, you know, I have well over, I think probably my last time was like 375 or something. <laughs> games that's way too many games it's not too many it's not too many sure it is but i still have deluxe monopoly nascar monopoly 80s monopoly um yeah i still have all those versions and that like you know it's still not a bad game i i still would enjoy sitting down and playing it as long as people are playing by the actual rules no money on free parking and everything is just auctioned the house rules kill the game for everybody it's not an actual it's not an actual rule that everything gets auctioned. Yes, it is. Oh, who are you speaking to? Yes, it's in the rule book. You land on something. If you don't want it. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. If you don't want it. I didn't mean a free for don't he just gave me the British bird. Uh he just gave me the British bird. No, it's not a free for all, but like if you land on and don't want it, then it gets Then it goes up, up for auction. Yeah, but nobody does that. And right. then they put the money in the free parking, and shit games last forever. Okay? The idea of the game, you know, is, you know, is to crush your enemies. See them kneel before you. And it lamentations of the women. <laughs> I hate you. I, I, still, I, I still won't get rid of Monopoly. I even play Monopoly the card game. <laughs> and I still enjoy that one. Never played it. Yep. Never played Monopoly, the card game. Yes, that is is very fun. No, no, no member of my family will play Monopoly with me either. They refuse. I could int- see. I that's why I said I could introduce them to so many. There's like a whole new world. <laughs> Please don't, don't, don't ever do that again. But yeah, but that started my. I mean, I was always Monopoly was the big one, but I've always been, you know, always getting board games when I was younger. My mom would go yard sailing and find all these classes, especially when the video game boom happened and everybody was cleaning out their collections. I had so many of these good retro games all gone in a flood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Great Flood of Lehigh Avenue. Yeah, when the Aquashicola went up. over. Oh. His, yep. I had everything I had in storage. All of them were gone. That sucks. Yep. So then, but then, but now on a good note, though, that was where I really started collecting modern board games because I was going to rebuild my collection. And I went online. Well, these things I was getting at the yard sale for a dollar yeah. were now 30 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I'm going to spend 30 bucks, I'm just going to buy this game that's newer. Yeah. And that started that whole ball rolling. So I can't say the flood was a totally bad thing for me. Yeah. I can, I can, I can get by that. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. My turn. Go ahead. My non-human. 
the Gibson Flying V. Ah. The Gibson Flying V. I've always been a huge proponent of Gibson guitars. I love the sound. I love that that classic thick two humbucker sound. Much better than that twingy, twangy, thin single coil Stratocaster sound. Mm. The Les Paul is a sexy guitar. The Les Paul's a beautiful instrument. However, there's something about a Gibson Flying V. That traditional 1958 Flying V body style. Mm-hmm. I have one hanging on my wall. Okay, that's one of. It's not my. It's not my main. Main guitar, for performance anymore. That's been supplanted for performance just because of the playability by my Jackson V. Mm-hmm. Okay, by my by my Rhodes V. But that Gibson. It has a sound unlike any other guitar I own. And I own I own a few different Gibsons. Mm-hmm. That V sounds like no other. Okay. The only reason it's not my main anymore is because the neck is like holding a half a baseball bat. <laughs> Whereas I've got that Jackson, which has that nice, thin, mm-hmm. fast, super playable neck. And it's and it's a shitload lighter. Yeah, <laughs> that's the pro- that's the only problem I've ever had with Gibson guitars, especially in my Les Paul. Mm-hmm. They're so heavy. Oh yeah, it's a big slab of mahogany. You know, you have a oh, Les yeah. Paul. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. And when I went from the the Ibanez to the the Les Paul, you know, I I had to to get a padded strap because my back started hurting. Yeah, it, there's some substance to that. Oh yeah, guitar. You, yeah. I could never, like I said, it's one of those. Yeah, I would sit down to play if I had to stand and. Yeah, got, I got to give it to Joe Perry and anybody that plays a, a Gibson on stage, you know, for for a long time. Dude, there was a point where all I was using, I had two Les Pauls, and that was yeah. that was all I was using to play out because they're because they're extremely heavy, dude. In a, especially like in a bar band situation mm-hmm. where you're playing for four hours. Yep, and the only guitars I'm using are two Les Pauls, dude. I was like the, I was like Quasimodo by the end of the night. <laughs> it was horrible. We've got one last category for tonight on this uh, Hall of Fame segment of the show. And since you've been going first the whole night, I want you to, I want you to continue and right. you go first on the last one because I could take a while on mine. Uh, the person from our life. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be no surprise. I've, I've talked about her enough already. That was, is my mother. Yeah. I mean, she was always there for me, always supported me in everything I did. I mean, how scatterbrained I was as a kid between going from trying to play drums. Uh, you know, she got me drum lessons, trying to get, play guitar. She got me gu- guitar lessons. Uh, she would sacrifice anything just to, you know, you know, for what I, you know, to what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, she went years without a car just so she could keep food on the table. I mean, I don't know how she did it. And uh, she uh, sadly had passed away back in July. Yeah. Um, And I had to, you know, go through a lot of her stuff. My mom saved everything. So when I got to see some of her old check stubs and realized how much she was making, 
you know, it's just amazing. And, you know, I feel saddened that I it was I asked for so much when I was a kid and I shouldn't have. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Your mom worked at Scotty's, right? Yes. OK, I thought so. And my mom, uh, my mom spent a lot of years working in a mill, too. So mm-hmm. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. And it, uh, she, you know, she she always was behind me. For, for nearly everything. We had some times when we didn't agree on things, and, you know, I wish I could get those times back, and uh, I was happy we had to separate when the whole pandemic started. And we basically were living by shouting from the porches and all that. Yeah. But um, we were able to start getting back together again. She would come to the house, and, uh, you know, I never... I, I knew... I knew one day she wasn't going to be around, so I made absolutely sure to do everything I could to to be with her. Yeah, I I I I I know that about you, and I I knew your mom for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because like we've established from the get go, we go back nearly thirty yep. years, and I've known your mom for almost that whole time. And your mom was a an absolute angel. Mm-hmm. I I never had a bad word to say about your mom, and surprisingly enough, your mom, as far as I know, never had anything bad to say about me. No, she always liked you for some reason. I can't figure that one out. <laughs> yeah, she I always, can't figure that. She out. always did like you, um, you know, and and she was she made sure to tell me her opinions on everybody that I that I knew and hung out with. You were probably the only one that she never really, you know had anything untoward to say about well your mom your mom i can't i can't say enough good things about simone Mm -hmm. simone she was a wonderful person and uh it it saddened me the day you called me Mm -hmm. and let me know that she passed it was it was a i mean an unbelievably sad day for you but it was a sad day for me because she was uh, she was just she was a great she was a great woman i really really Enjoyed the times I spent talking mm-hmm. to her, and uh, I'm glad I got to know her as well as I got to know her. Which, you know, I I would have liked to have got to know her better, but you know, she was you know she was a really good person, I, and I, I I miss her. I'll tell you what, after a lot of the things that I found in that apartment, I wish I had gotten to know her better. I mean, she she kept a lot of things from me. I mean, and I can understand and protect me, so I don't. I don't think ill will of her for that because, you know, there was a lot of traumatic things that happened in her life and, you know, and even my life growing up. Yeah. I mean, I I did not know I was in therapy when I was like six years old. Huh. And it's so repressed of a memory for me that I still, even knowing, seeing the bills, seeing the doctor's reports, seeing everything about it. I still don't remember a one day of it. Huh. That's that's odd. You know, but she never like she never told me that stuff either and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a point where she's you know, she did it because she wanted to protect you. And yeah. he, and you get that. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's everybody's got family secrets, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes the best thing to do for all involved is to just, you know, keep it a secret. Yeah, but I wouldn't be where I was at all if it wasn't for 
you know, her kind of like really giving me a, a kick in the ass occasionally too. I mean, I was doing bad in college the first time and she kicked me out of the house and I had to live in my car for a while until I got my ass straightened out. And I did. Yeah. I needed that, you know? And again, not a single bit of ill will for that. You know, I needed that and I understood that. Yeah. That's I mean, that, and that shows a great deal of maturity on your mm-hmm. part that you understood why she did what she did. Yeah. So, well, like I said, I was past 21 already. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, you can't go around drinking constantly. Yeah. You know, and think you're going to get a good college education. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, she was she was she was she was a real good person. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure I'm sure you miss her every day. I miss her, too. I know? do. I do. I, I not a day goes by. I don't. I don't think about, uh, you know, I wish I like I said, I just wish I always had more time, but I'm glad I used the time that I had. That's all you can do. You know, that's all you can do, brother. Yeah. Like I said, I, I can't say that I there is this, if there's one regret I have and I've only told this to a few people. My mom loved Pinochle. Uh huh. And I have tried learning Pinochle. It is a hard game. I don't get it. I would never really let her teach it to me, right? Because I figured, eh, you know, it's just such a. I wish I would have let her teach me pinochle, and we would have played a little bit. Yeah, because there was nothing worse than cleaning out her place and finding all those pinochle decks. Well, my grandparents played, so I, I and I, I was in the same boat. I was in the same boat. I never wanted to learn how to play. You know, that's uh, that's an old person's game. I don't want to play that. It's complicated when you start listening to it. You got to get your melds and you got to know what the trumps are and what suits being called. It's like time, time out. When I roll the dice. I mean, yeah, it's pretty like, much. It's like this is complicated to me, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. A, it is a complicated game. I've never really sat down and tried to learn it either. No, I did actually try learning it several times. And it's like my and my brain goes foggy. And this is someone from like learns rules back and forth between all these really other complicated games. My brain goes foggy with with you know pinochle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have peed on your knuckles a few times. Well, you sometimes you know, I mean, hey, you know, sometimes you have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, I'm going to go in a different direction. Uh my choice is not a family member, but as close to a family member as anyone I've ever known. And uh, my nominee, or my, it's not a nominee, it's an no, inductee. It's, it's, in. it's an inductee into the Oh No Not Them Hall of Fame is Mark Francis Carrazzo. Mark, and this is not hyperbole, this is not me overhyping him. Mark was the kindest, sweetest person I have ever met in my life. Mark Carrazzo was the only person I know never locked his doors. Mm. Okay? Never locked his doors. Because everybody was welcome. He didn't believe in borders. Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was a discussion that him and I had leading up to the 2016 presidential election. You know, and Mark and I debated politics a lot. 
but it never degenerated. And Mark was as liberal as they get politically. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty freaking conservative politically. Mark and I would debate for literally for hours, hours on end about our political beliefs, but it never degenerated into name calling or or demeaning the other person for their opinions because Mark was too intelligent for that. And that just wasn't the type of person Mark was. He was my he was my bandmate. He was my my musical he was my 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 musical soulmate. I've never gelled with another musician the way I gelled with Mark. He was my best friend. You know, he was the most genuinely kind and loving person I have ever met in my life. Every week, um, every every Tuesday, I play trivia at the 110 Tavern with his parents. Mm. Um, I helped when Mark passed away. Um, the day uh, that we found out Mark died, I got a call from our drummer, Snacky John. I got a call from his girlfriend, Kim. And Kim's crying, saying, tell me it's not true. I said, Kim, what are you talking about? And she tells me that Mark hung himself. I say, I'll call you back. I hang up the phone. Now, you know where Mark lived, right? I'm not sure. You know the, the house with the TV 13 sign on Cherry Hill Road? Yeah. That was Mark's house. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was Mark's house. I made it from here to Mark's house in three minutes. Okay. Mark's car was in the driveway. I went. I checked the doorknob. The door was locked. Mark never locked his door. Mm. That's when I knew something was wrong. I went. To the garage. I checked the garage door. Maybe Mark's in the garage. The garage is locked. I came down back in through town. I stopped at Mark's parents' house, and I was greeted by his aunt. And Janine was crying, and I, she brought me into the house, and that's when Frank and Fran and Amy, Mark's sister, confirmed, you know, that Mark was gone. And... uh I spent the next week or uh, week and a half helping Frank and Frank clean out the house. Um, hang on, let me rewind a little bit. Um, the day that we cremated Mark, the day we cremated Mark, um, Frank called me and asked me to come with uh, so I could say goodbye, which is something that I didn't expect and I can't thank Frank enough Frank and Fran enough for thinking that much of me and what Mark meant to me to allow me that to allow me that honor because the only people that were there were his parents his sister me and uh, Chip Snyder Mm -hmm. okay so I go over to Frank and Fran's house we go to the funeral home and I get to go in and say my goodbyes and then I was asked to go to Mark's house to get some stuff to put in with him you know some stuff that was that meant a lot to Mark Mm -hmm. so I went up to his house I got 
one of his Beatles shirts because Mark was a Beatles fanatic. I got a Beatles shirt, a Halls of Horror hoodie, and uh, I forget what the hell else I put in with him. But anyway, I put in with to put in with him while he was uh, cremated, and I was the last person in with Mark before he was actually cremated. Mm-hmm. That is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to put that stuff in there and I I stood there in the crematorium in the crematory room at Campton screaming at him wake up just get the fuck up dude get up you know hysterical it was one of the hardest days of my life and uh you know, I, <clears throat> you see it every time you walk in my house. As soon as you walk in my house, there's two 8x10s, mm-hmm. his guitar, and a smaller and a his ashes here, you know, right when you walk in my house. Because that's what Mark meant to me, you know. I, I you know I can be incredibly abrasive. Mm-hmm. And... I will give you my opinion whether you want it or not. I've gotten a lot better about holding, not holding it back, but trying to see other people's side of things. And that is because I made a promise to Mark and to myself that I was going to try to be more like him Mm. and try to see more of the good in people. Sometimes it's really hard. Because I see, I, I, I see people for who they can be and who they seem to be. Actually, I should say I see them for more than who they seem to be at that point than the potential that they have to be the, the best them. Mark always wanted to see the best of someone. The guy that used to run the music store here in town. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mark was supposed to be his business partner. Mark invested money into the store initially, painted the place, got furniture, took equipment there, all kinds of stuff. The day before they opened, he says to Mark, I don't think this is going to work out. Mark never got that money back. Mm. Mark never got that money back. The son of a bitch stole uh, stole and sold equipment that belonged to Mark and I and to Snacky. He sold it as his own. Mark never, ever wanted to see the bad in him. As much as I said, as much as I tried to tell him, dude, he's a piece of shit. Mark's like, nah, he's not that bad. (sighs) And I try to be, I try to be a little bit better of a person every day because of him. (sighs) And for that reason and that reason alone, Mark's my inductee into our Hall of Fame. I love you, brother. Yep. Okay. I'm good now. All right. You want to stick your hand in a bucket? It's your turn for the dirt bucket. Okay, time for the dirt bucket. Yes. Well, how are we on time? Uh, we're at 47 minutes. You just want to freestyle for a while? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's freestyle for a while. Yeah. 
All right. Um, oh, last night. Uh, last night, WWE had the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Okay, how was it? All in all, a solid show for an off-brand pay-per-view. Um, I like what they did. They had two chamber matches. Um, what they're doing on SmackDown, uh, currently Roman Reigns is the champion, and he's the head of the table. Okay. I need this. This is how my family eats. You know, Without me, they don't... Whatever. Mm-hmm. So instead of Roman defending the universal title in the chamber match... You had to win the chamber match to fight Roman immediately after the fucking chamber match. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So <laughs> Daniel Bryan ends up winning. All right. It, it's just a, a brutal match, uh, as the elimination chamber always is. Uh, it was Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Cesaro. Uh, who the hell else was in it? Sami Zayn. And there was one other guy. Oh, Jay Uso. Okay. And there was one other guy because there's six in it. But anyway, Daniel Bryan ends up winning. Really good, really, really good, well-contested match. And then the cage comes up, and here comes Roman Reigns. And, you know, basically decimates poor, beat-up Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And then as the cage is going up, or uh, as uh, Roman's doing his celebration on the ropes, he comes down, turns around, and gets the shit speared out of him. Edge. Okay. The winner of the Royal Rumble. And Edge is there, and he's got his hands behind his back, and he's down in Roman's face, and you can't tell what he's saying because he's whispering in us. And then he just stands up and points at the sign, to, at the WrestleMania <laughs> sign. So that's how Edge declares who he's going after at Mania. Um, then you had, it was originally supposed to be Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle in a triple threat for the United States title. All right. Keith Lee was written out of the match due to injury. Uh-huh. I don't know if the injury is legit okay. or if it was just he was written out. So on the kickoff show, they had a fatal four way to decide the third entrant into the match. All right. So now it becomes Bobby Lashley defending against Matt Riddle, defending against uh, and also John Morrison. Oh. And when they put Morrison in the match, I looked at Missy. I said, that's how they're putting the belt on Riddle. Because now he doesn't have to beat Lashley. Oh, La- I see. Lashley can lose the title without dropping the fall. And sure, wouldn't you know who won the pony? <laughs> Riddle, uh, you know, beats the crap out of Lashley with a crutch. Puts you know, busts a crutch over Lashley's back. Hits the bro Derek on John Morrison. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Matt Riddle's the new United States champion. Uh, then there was uh, the women's tag title match, which is foreshadowing who's gonna who Bianca Belair is gonna challenge at WrestleMania, because she was teamed up with Sasha Banks, who's okay. the SmackDown Women's Champion. It's typical WWE foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. From there, we go to the main event, and the main event is the Elimination Chamber match for the Universal or for the WWE Championship. So there's two Elimination Chambers. Yes. Because there's a title on SmackDown and oh, a title geez. on Raw. Um, so you've got Drew McIntyre defending against Sheamus, AJ Styles, uh, Randy Orton. Uh, who the hell else was in it? Kofi Kingston. And I forget the sixth entrant. A- Andy, who was it? I don't know. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> 
Drew McIntyre wins the match, okay? McIntyre, great match, you know, real hard-hitting, typical Elimination Chamber match. The cage is going up. McIntyre's music's playing. Here comes Bobby Lashley. And Lashley absolutely destroys Mm. Drew McIntyre. Okay. So you're thinking... It's going to be Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Wait. Here comes Miz with the money in the bank briefcase. (laughs) While Lashley's still there, Lashley just kind of like, okay, go ahead. Miz goes in, hits that kneeling DDT, Mm -hmm. gets a two count, hits the skull crushing finale, one, two, three. Miz is now the WWE champion. Okay. Where the hell are they going with this? This is the one time uh, one time in recent memory where the booking has me almost scratching my head. Because why would you not just have Lashley come out, decimate McIntyre, and have him do the point to the WrestleMania sign? I'm wondering if <laughs> and I and I know WD has done this in the past. Is McIntyre going to get the belt back tonight? That would not... It wouldn't entirely surprise me. You know, it's like... I've seen that before where it's like... The 24-hour title reign. Yeah, this is this happens during a pay-per-view. And it's, sometimes the booking... And it's always... It's never been like, oh, it's this era, that era. No, no, no. There's always been shady booking and dumb shit oh, yeah. all the way around. Especially when you have a moron like Bruce Pritchard you know, involved. And, and when you got those... Sometimes the egos... Oh, I'm not going to fall to this person. Okay, well, we'll just, you know, I, I, there's a couple finishes I can't stand. Okay. I hate roll-up finishes. You hate the roll-up? I hate the, there was one, oh my God, I think it was, I can't, I, it was probably when I first started watching NWA that Andy had like turned me back onto it. Yeah. Like every other finish was a roll-up. Guys, the, there's more moves than that. Dean Nolenko knows a thousand of them. Chris Jericho knew 1,004. But it's like, and then the other one is like, uh, I don't like double countouts. I feel like that's, why why even bother having a match? You know? Or a double DQ. Double DQs also. It's like, now, I I, I just, maybe, and it's like, I don't know what, I mean, I, I like a match that has a beginning, a middle, and an actual end that makes sense. Well, if it's done right and done sparingly, DQs and double DQs and double countouts have their place when you're building to the blow-off match. Okay, they both got counted out of the ring. Now we have to have, or such and such got counted out of the ring. Now we have to have a lumberjack match. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I know they're, yeah, like I said, it's like, I I, can't, I just, they like you're right, they do these sparingly. Or if they're done well, like when you, I've seen one and I, I know... I see it in my head, the move, which I always thought was brilliant. Chair gets thrown in the wing. The guy smacks the chair on the apron and then lays down. The ref gets up, sees the chair, sees the guy laying out there, disqualifies the other guy. Yeah. That is brilliant to me. You see, now, to me... Those I love. I, I, I hate it because it's, it, the, it's <laughs> never consistent. Oh, the referee didn't see it, so he can't call it. <laughs> Wait, fucker. You heard this one, so you're calling it? Oh, I know, but they do that all. How many times is this like oh, yeah. another ref has come out? No restart the match. This is what happened. 
I mean, there, right. there's never going to be consistency in wrestling. I well, mean, no, no. I mean, because it's not a legitimate sport. As like I said, as long as they, I still remember the show. I don't know. No, I don't think you were there. It was a show, um, and this is of course Indies, um, in in Jersey, and Andy was the one Andy was a part of. Oh, I'm blanking on Mawa M A W A. Yeah. Well, the heels were like double teaming, you know, the the fate, and it was it was a, it was funny as hell, and I'm yelling at the ref. You know, come on, turn around, guy. Turn. Around. You're missing. What are you doing, man? You're, and he looks at me, and I'm gonna. Uh, I'm doing the motion. He does this to me. He does like the you know like the cut sign. Hey, knock it off. Kayfabe, kayfabe. Yeah. yeah. It's like no, 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 no. If anything, you should be looking at me and saying, "Don't tell me how to do my job." This and, and I'm distracting you now. Right. From what's going on. You could work that right into it and no one wouldn't be none of the wiser. Instead, the one you looked at me, it's like, like, no, shut up, man. It's like, no, dummy. No, you buy into the illusion or you play into the illusion. Yeah. You perpetrate it. You don't cut it off. And the day I went Sergeant Hartman on a tag team, you would have enjoyed that one too. It's like the the guy's partners, and these are the heels now. The guy's partner is getting his ass handed to him in the ring, uh-huh. right? He puts him down. It's one, two. The guy in the apron never even moves, right? So I yell, oh, don't I make any ever fucking effort now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Jesus H. Christ, he's four feet away and you can't make a fucking save. It's like, don't make any fucking effort. Yeah, that was, don't make any fucking effort. <laughs> it's like, although I didn't curse there because there were kids there. But yeah, I, like I said, I just, I, I enjoy being part of that, you know, that kind of show. Yeah. And, and, you know. And like I said, that's indies. But I mean, when you got the big guys, oh, tell a story, man. Yeah, just I, g- give me something. Well, I mean, the 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 art of we've and we've covered this. The art of building a coherent storyline mm-hmm. and carrying out a good six month angle is gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Yeah, and I gotta say, one of the best matches I ever saw. And I know this is the, this is a long forgotten match for a lot of people. Was Triple H as the champion versus Taka Mikinochu. Michinoku. Yeah, that match was so well done that I believed Taka had a chance to win. Well, that's the thing, and it is, was, Triple H put him over so well. That's the thing. Triple H gets a lot of shit from the inver- from the IWC, the Internet Wrestling mm-hmm. Community. Mm-hmm. Triple H gets a lot of shit for burying talent. Triple H didn't bury talent. He got people over. He didn't put people over if he didn't have to put people over, but he got them over. Yeah. And there's a difference between getting over and going over. Mm-hmm. And I would rather get over than go over. Yeah, I think a lot of times with the, well, between the McMahon-Helmsley era and going right into the, um, or what was it called when Tim and Austin were together? Uh, the two-man power trip. Yeah, the two-man power trip. I felt a lot of that went a bit long. <laughs> yeah. But during that, I mean, it was like everybody was against them all the time. Yeah. You know, and it was like, that that I thought was, was really good for what they were doing. And it It was. And I, I think that uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The biggest problem with uh, the biggest problem with WWE creative 
is the fact that you have Bruce Pritchard, who is nothing more than a glad-handing Vince McMahon ass-kissing yes-man. Nothing more, nothing less. He has... He's... He's... A fucking sycophant. Mm. He's in charge of both shows. When you have minds on that... On that... In, in your employ, you have minds like Paul Heyman. You have minds like Adam Pierce. Okay, all of your backstage agents. Jerry Briscoe's still around. Up until recently, Pat Patterson was still available. Mm-hmm. And you're letting Bruce fucking Pritchard run shit? That's a problem. Because Bruce only wants to pop one guy. Mm-hmm. And that's Vince. Yep. And I think that's, it's a shame. That's, you know, I think, and I know... There was like how many people in those elimination chamber matches? I think they could have just—I know it's the member, the name of the pay-per-view, but they should have been able to stand on their own. Yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, it, the, the, and the the chamber is a nice gimmick. It's a nice gimmick match, but to build an entire pay-per-view around it, I think might be a bit mm-hmm. much. It might be a a bit much. Yeah, it's like having a hell in a cell pay-per-view. The hell in a cell should be kept. Uh, should have always been kept special. Okay, nothing else has worked to settle this. We need to put them in Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. Not have a yearly pay-per-view branded around it. Yeah, and I, I might be the major- minority in this, but I may I don't know how other people think, but I I enjoy a heel champion more than a face. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I like a heel champion, but the WWF, even going back to the territory days, WWE slash WWF was never a heel territory. Going back even to to Bruno, mm-hmm. the heel champion was always the transitional champion, mm-hmm. except for one guy back in the day, superstar Billy Graham. Mm, okay. Billy Graham was the only long-term heel champion that Vince Sr. had, okay? Because you went from Bruno, Bruno lost it to Ivan Koloff. Koloff lost it to, this is my geek coming out, um, <laughs> Lost it to Pedro Morales. Okay? Pedro Morales lost it to Stan Stasiak. Stan Stasiak lost it back to Bruno. Bruno lost it to Sam Ar- uh, to uh, superstar Billy Graham. Billy Graham lost it to Backlund. Backlund lost it to the Sheik. Mm-hmm. Sheik lost it to Hogan. There we go. And, now we're off and, to the race. And Hogan lost it to nobody. <laughs> yeah, Hogan, Hogan didn't do jobs. Uh, Hogan must pose, pal. Yeah. But um, you know the WWF was never a, mm. a never a, a, ch- a territory with a heel champion. The NWA, on the other hand, had heel champions because the big reason for that was the NWA champion was a true world champion. He toured all around the world. He would go to the different NWA territories in the U.S. He'd go to he would legit go to Canada, go to Singapore. Japan, Australia, Mexico, defending that title, okay? And who, uh, you would want a heel champion there. That way your local baby face Mm -hmm. is getting the shot at the title. Instead of the baby face coming in and beating your lead heel. Yeah. It's just smart booking. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, I'm reading a book right now. It's like a... It's like a, a, a college uh, course 
in how to run a wrestling promotion. <laughs> it's not in print anymore. I somehow found, I shouldn't say I somehow found, Randy somehow found me a PDF copy of it okay. online. Gary, uh, It's by Playboy Gary Hart, mm-hmm. one of the greatest managers of all time. And he was instrumental in booking world-class championship wrestling during their hot period. He booked for Jimmy Crockett in Carolina. He booked for Eddie Graham in Florida. He booked for Bill Watts in Mid-South. Booked for Jim Barnett in Australia. Okay, Gary Hart has been there or had been there and done that. He's since passed away. This book, and that's why the book's, by the way, that's why the book's not in print. Because they can't get, they can't get, re-releases for the photos and things like that. Yeah. And they've been trying to get it reprinted. You can find it on on uh, eBay for like $700 a copy. So I'm happy with my PDF copy. But anyway, it is like a college course in how to book professional wrestling. Hmm. And Bruce Pritchard, that piece of shit, um, who learned at the heels of another piece of shit, Paul Bosch, should read this fucking book and learn how to book a goddamn program. Mm. But yeah. that's enough of me yeah. railing against uh, Brother Love right now. Yep. Well, I am getting that uh, wrestling card game, the other expansion in the mail. Okay. Book it. Do you remember years ago at the Honky Club where we were designing that wrestling card game? Yeah. And it was about being a booker. Yeah. Well, someone beat me to the punch. And it's so damn similar. I swear someone stole my idea. Huh. It is so damn it is so damn similar. That's the worst part. Um, because it uses uh, star talent, work rate, money. You got to pay for And I've actually taken the game, house ruled it, to the point where it's the game that I would have designed with a few things that well, I can't add. Because mine had the stipulation matches, tag teams, managers. Yeah. I still want to go through with that. But it's like the stumbling block has just been, again, with the like the Uno game that I have, I don't know any artists. Yeah. You know? And that's like I you, you need artwork. And I just have never gotten off my ass to commission anybody or... Have Andy do it. I tried. Oh. Andy's very busy with, with a comic book he's doing for the past 40 years. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, but I, like I said, I, I've been wanting to commission, but the best one came now and... Funny story on that. I made homages to all our old school wrestlers. Right. Um, like, I have Hunk Broman. <laughs> uh, um, and um, I'm trying to think, like, the L- Louisiana Kid. Oh, okay. You know, all, it's like if you look down the list, you can tell where they come from. Yeah. And But the best one now, now and Jim's going to love that I did this to him, there's a character... In uh, he he was trying to remember the name of an old wrestler, and he came up with Ed Snow, and he, and and he would not stop calling him Ed Snow, and Andy and I are laughing at this, and and of and of course he realizes his mistake, and I said no no it's Ed Snow you know and he had that partner Steve Blackbelt. <laughs> now Steve Blackbelt was one in my wrestling game. That's why I was able to pull that one right out of a hat. Right. That's my homage to Steve Blackman. <laughs> right. Um, and that, like I said, it's one of those that's like, it, it, you can always tell who the characters are based off of when you look at them. Because I have like an Amish character, Don yeah. Dare. Don Dare. Don, yeah. 
<laughs> I get it. You know, and I even put Gunther the Thick Neck German in it. Yay! <laughs> oh yeah, there's enough in there. The list is beautiful, but it's like I've never and I've done the rules up, and the rules are so similar to that the book it game that I was almost afraid I could get sued over this or something. Yeah. But it's like, I know we came out with that. I just never, I sat on my, my hands too much and never did anything with it. But I would swear with the amount of work we put into it. Yeah. The card game was so similar and I bought it. But it's not a good card game unless you house rule things. Well, you know, I'd, I'd actually be interested in playing that. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll play with the house rules. It has like 16 venues in it. Okay. Right? And every venue gives you special things. Now, if you start, if you put all, you're supposed to put all the venues out and everybody picks a venue. The problem is certain venues work really well and make characters overpowered. So my idea for that is there's six rounds in the game. You deal six venues. Everybody's got to visit every venue once. Yeah. So that way you don't know what's coming up and you got to go to every venue one time. You know? Yeah. So you might not get the best venue. There's other things that I've I've also done. Um, there, eh. There's one thing I don't know if I want to keep in my house rule or not because they, they wanted to make this very inclusive, which I have no problem with. Okay. But I swear you could split the deck in half, well, more women wrestlers than there are men wrestlers. So almost every match is intergender. You know? Yeah. I, and like I said, I have no problem with the intergender match fine, but the gender doesn't matter in the game. You did this pretty much just to appease. Yeah. You know, and I said there's no problem in my eyes, honestly, is that if you're going to have a male character, it has to go up against another male character, female against female. I, I I agree. But that is where my game would have had the stipulations in it. Right. And one stipulation you can play is intergender match. Right. And I think that helps you because you have to make choices on how you're going to book. Yeah. And just putting two people together because they fit, you know, or because, oh, these are the two I picked. Like I said, there are flaws in the game that, like I said, and I, and I know everybody wants, you know, women should be, yes, they should be included. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you know, and and I and I have no problem with that. I don't want anybody to think I'm a, I'm being a misogynist when I say, you know. But in wrestling, an intergender match is a gimmick. It is. It is a gimmick, and it should be used sparingly. Yeah, and as a gimmick. I mean, I really think that you know, if you would have you know constant intergender promotions, I think they would lose. I think it would lose a lot. There is one. There is a, a promotion. Uh, I have an app called Pluto TV. Yeah, I have that. Okay. There's a wrestling channel on there. Is there? Yes, there's actually two. There's one that's dedicated to Impact. Oh, shit. Okay. And there's some great old Impact yeah. stuff on there. And then there's one. It's the channel just before it or just after it. Okay. Uh, it's called Wrestling TV. Oh, wow. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a. They play a lot of... Uh, a lot of a uh, uh, company called Beyond Wrestling on there. Okay, Beyond has a ton of intergender matches, like to the point where it's like, okay, I we get it. Chris Statlander is wrestling a guy again. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and Chris Statlander, she's a she's a bigger girl. Yeah, I mean, not not um, ODB, not ODB big, but she's like tall and she's well built, and she's like and a couple of the guys she's wrestled are fucking schlubs, mm-hmm. uh, like Jelly Nutella. I mean Joey Janela. <laughs> yeah, Jelly Nutella. Fuck you, um, Trailer Park Trash looking bitch. Um, Damn. Yeah, I can't stand Joey Joey Janela. Right. How he has how he has a job with AEW and Andy Heater doesn't is beyond me. Um, but anyway, like Chris Statlander has wrestled Joey Janela a bunch of times on there. She's wrestled a bunch of the other dudes. An intergender match once in a while with a talent like Chris Statlander, I can see it. It's almost like you know when China would do matches against the guys. You know what though, but China. They were even matches. They were booked as even okay. matches. Okay, you would you would not put. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick like you know, you you, you wouldn't put like um, a Yokozuna against Alexa Bliss. No, no, okay. no, no, no. You would. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of talking about. It's like, you know, like I said, you could almost buy it. Yeah, I mean, but if you want to do something with the cruiserweights, it could work. Right, Hurricane Helms. Uh, could absolutely take on Alexa Bliss. No, uh, Alexa Bliss is legit five uh, no. five foot even and a hundred pounds. You know, Hurricane wasn't that big. Hurricane's two twenty, dude. Is he? Yeah, he must have gained weight. Shane Helms is two twenty. I'm thinking when it was in three count. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> now, now the real skinny one there was Evan Courageous. Okay, yeah. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking. I mean, yeah, he, I, I get it. There are yeah. like there are some smaller guys. Yeah. And I think, and I think if you're gonna match for match for, like Nia Jax put her up against the heavyweight see what happens oh yeah uh I mean but let's let's be real here Nia Jax is yeah over. Nia Jax's work rate is well she's her work rate is zero yeah she's um but I, I'm just talking size wise she's over six feet tall and yeah. she's 270 pounds right and that's what I mean like not having intergender matches just to do it right just to be cool right just to be woke do it as part of a story do it because you can legit sit there and say, I want to see what's going to happen here. Yeah. China becoming the IC champion happened. Yeah. Uh, but, and I don't feel less a Jericho because of it. But the thing with with doing that, even with someone like Nia Jax, okay, who is a very big girl, um, but, you know, just a horrible talent, mm-hmm. you can't have her beat even your upper mid-card guys. Oh, I know, I know. It's... You know, you because to, uh, are you going to have her? Uh, I mean, are you going to legit have her go out and beat somebody like John Morrison? No. And no. And, and Morrison I, is way smaller yeah, than she is. And I, I have felt that. I mean, I wish there was a better women's division all around. You know, I really do. Yeah. You know, but unfor- unfortunately, you know, some of the really good ones. I mean, I was I was always a fan of ODB. ODB's fun. ODB messed somebody up. ODB's fun. You know, um, I I like ODB. Uh, I mean, the WWE right now does have a lot of super talented women on the roster. They've got Charlotte Flair. They've got Rhea Ripley. Oh, yeah. Rhea Ripley is a, she's fucking amazing. Agreed. Uh, Alexa Bliss. And what they're doing with Alexa right now with her doing like the whole fiend yeah. type thing is really cool. Bailey's fantastic. Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler. 
I don't like Bailey's attitude. I love Bailey's attitude. <laughs> I love you know I w- I was torn at first. I didn't think a heel Bailey would work, but I love heel Bailey. Um, they've got Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. you know uh, Bianca Belair. I I don't think it's right. I don't think it was it was the right time to pull the trigger on her yet. I think she it would have been better if they pulled the trigger on her winning the Rumble next year. Mm. But Bianca Belair's got a ton of talent. She's just green. You know, there's a lot of good female wrestlers in WWE. Yeah. Io um, Shirai. Her, I don't know. She's on NXT. All right. Uh, she's actually the NXT Women's Champion. Like I said, I don't have anything against any of it. And I enjoy I enjoy. If a, I enjoy a good match. Yes. I don't like a train wreck match by anybody. And sometimes I can't believe, I, I have a hard time believing that they, they get back to the locker room and there's pats on the back for, oh, garbage. Yeah. I, I, I could honestly see, like, Triple H throwing headsets at a wall mm-hmm. during a lot of the stuff. I can see... I could see Triple H throwing headsets. I could see Vince throwing headsets. <laughs> and I could see Bruce going, eh, well, well. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, though. Sometimes they got to go to those cameramen. Sometimes. Oh. I cannot count the number of times I've seen a corner spot where no hit happened and they sold it because that camera was looking at the wrong place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And, and you would think that, you know, these people that Vin, that they would know or, or somebody in the truck would say, you know, pick the right angle yeah. to have. Oh, this is the fifth time we've screwed up that corner spot. Maybe we shouldn't zoom in on them when they're in the corner from the side. No, no let's see what happens this time. Nope, nope, that nope, happened again. Next yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that, that would make sense. I mean, I see it so many times. It's like when I see that, and it, it almost makes me cringe because I know they're better than this. Yeah, you know, I know they're I know they're better than this because they're at that level. Yeah, there should be there should be no flubs like that. Take take the camera from the use the um what do they call it the the hard cam the hard cam when it hit it'll look good. Not close up while they're in the corner. Ugh. Yeah. And the sad part is they can't edit that on the fly. No, they can't, especially if it's a live show. And everything and, everything WWE puts like said, on TV now is live. Even though I love and even though I absolutely love watching Botchamania, I I'm a fan of Schadenfreude. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of that. As much as I I don't want to see people really screwing up, you know, when that cart's rolling through the parking lot. Yeah. And it's going Let's see what happens. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm right there with you. You, know. it, 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 you don't want to watch, but you can't look away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get I get it. Oh, man. Um, you a baseball fan? Not at all. Only, oh, because I'm wearing the Iron Pigs shirt. No, <laughs> I only I only go to the Iron Pigs games for the food. Yeah. Oh, dude, the food, <laughs> the, the food at Coca-Cola Park is great. Yeah, I, I honestly, I... I I don't understand baseball when people start yelling about the designated hitter rule or something like that. I'm like, okay, whatever. See, I, I haven't watched a major league game in a long time. Um, 
I, I, I love baseball. I just haven't watched in a while. But I do love going to minor league games. I love going to the Pigs. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, lo- a, that's just a f- oh, fun time. You ever go down to Reading to First Energy? Mm, was that the Rail Riders? No, that's Scranton Wilkesbury. Okay. I think we I think I said that before. I have not been to Reading. I had to go to to Scranton for uh, a work thing. Yeah, Scranton. I've never been to I've never been to the stadium in Scranton. Not as good food. Dude, you got to go down to a you got to go down to a Reading Phillies game to fight uh the the Reading Phils. It's a beautiful throwback old ballpark, First Energy Stadium. Mm. Um great old school feel, really good food and Dirt cheap food, Ugh. it's excellent. I, I, we go to, we try to get, we try to catch a Phil, uh, Reading Phils game, at least once a year. Yeah, we go to the Iron Pigs, and I've been, I've been almost every area of that stadium. I've been up high, I've been third baseline, first baseline, behind home plate. I was actually down, the closest I've been was right behind home plate, where um, the on deck, yeah, which was, which was my. That's where I almost got my ass kicked, I think. Because I'm, I'm sitting there, and I got, like, a couple people in front of me. And I kept, you know, they're coming up, and they're on deck. And I'm like, ah, don't even bother, guy. This guy's going to strike you out. Just get back in the dugout. You ain't nothing. You you ain't you at his level. He go up, bang! Oh, home run. That kept happening. The person in front of me turned around. Maybe you should shut up. Maybe I should shut up. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I hadn't felt like that since the day that I went to uh, Raw dressed as the right to censor and almost had someone there want to kick my ass too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was standing, I was literally in the up there and I was sh- I was like, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself for, for cheering that person. <laughs> And this guy turns around and, well, you know, it's like, it's like, who do you think you are? Huh? He was mad. Dude, it, it, it amazes me how <laughs> wrapped up re- some wrestling fans get. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was having fun with it. I, yeah. I had the white shirt and the tie on. I'm waggling my fingers at people when the heels would win. Oh, this is terrible. How dare you? How dare you? It's like. That would be fun to do. And when the right to censor came out, I'm like, like you know, cheering my head off. It's like, oh, but but then this clown just had enough of it, you did, know. Did you check his ID? Was he from Shendo? I don't. Oh, I don't know. But he was. He was like there was. I just could. He wanted to fight me over something so stupid. Over pro wrestling. Yes. Over uh, pro wrestling. I mean, I mean, it's like you. you wait, you think. I'm really admonishing people, and I care. Do you know that that group is a fictional group, you idiots? You know, and, and that's where that's where pro wrestling is like a really, really weird genre of entertainment. Because do you get pissed off at Robert De Niro for killing people in a gangster movie? Huh. No, but you get pissed off at Ric Flair because he beat up Ricky Steamboat, <laughs> didn't you? You know? You get pissed off at Macho Man Savage because he hit Ricky Steamboat in the throat with a bell. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's all... I don't want to say it's all bullshit, but it's all fictional. No, no it's... I mean, they get... I mean, I know they really get hurt, and I know they, yeah. they put their bodies on the line, you know? But it's not like 
and with a few exceptions I know that are out there, you know, even the people who are the bad guys aren't terrible people. Right. You know, and it's like that's how they can flip on a dime. Now, of course, there are ones out there that are terrible in the ring, and I mean as personalities, and terrible outside. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Who was the one that punched out the reporter? Oh, David Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> David, no, you see, David Schultz, I, I give him a pass on that because he was protecting the business. Yeah. But... And, and have you ever watched the Dark Side of the Ring no. show? Vice TV has Dark Side of the Ring. And they did an episode on the slap heard around the world where, you know, David Schultz slapped the fucking snot out of John Stossel. Stossel had it coming. Stossel had it coming. How would you feel if somebody came up to you and insulted your profession, called you a fake, and said you were full of shit? Basically said you're full of shit. Oh, I get it. Oh, how fake is this? Slap. Yep. Yep. And Stossel admitted. Admitted. Oh, yeah. Uh, When I got my payout, my hearing got better. (laughs) John Stossel's a scumbag. Mm-hmm. He's a scumbag. He went there looking to provoke somebody. And I'll give him credit. He accomplished his mission. He provoked somebody. The problem is he picked the wrong fucking guy to provoke. Because David Schultz was brought up old school. He was broken by a guy who was a legit shooter. And he was brought in during the era of when kayfabe was still protected. Viciously protected Mm -hmm. if you're gonna talk to somebody and ask that question mr stossel you might want to pick a better target Mm. i agree it's just like i said the the whole thing i ever saw that was like no one ever seemed apologetic on any side of it no no nobody was apologetic i know another one too bill maher was interviewing uh piper i think was on it piper was the only one i remember but Mar said, you know, he just kind of like dismissively said, and your fans are in on the joke. The whole interview went downhill from there. Oh, yeah. Piper was another one. Even yeah. to his, <laughs> even after kayfabe was long gone, Piper protected the business. He never mm-hmm. said, I've had, you know, over 3,000 matches. If Piper, if you ever asked him, he always said, I've had over 3,000 fights. Mm-hmm. And Piper was fiercely protective of the business. Oh, yeah. Call it predetermined, but don't ever call it fake. Oh, yeah. Because Piper will slap the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. And it was that was one of the episodes that was like, you, I mean, everybody, they're all wrestlers. And everybody kind of like, is it? Yeah, he said the wrong word. Yeah. You know, and everybody was against him at that point. And, and Mar had a hard time getting them back. Well, yeah, because, uh, okay. You're going to call what I do fake. Mm. Are you really this big of a dick in real life? Yeah. He, he, well, the, I think the word he used, I think Mar oh, was, I called it a joke. Yeah. Well, Mar said they're in on the joke, but he was using it as a turn of a phrase. Right. He, you know, and, and he shouldn't have used that phrasing. I, I agree a hundred percent. He could have just said they're in on it. Yeah. And, the, or they know, they know the outcomes are predetermined. Yeah. Right. Choose your words wisely, mm-hmm. especially with 
some of the, and I don't want to dismiss the old school guys because the old school guys were dangerous and legitimate in their own way. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew the they knew the sugar holds and they knew how to hurt, hook you and hurt you. Yeah. Okay. They knew how to take care of themselves in that manner. Whereas you have guys nowadays that legitimately train in real combat. Mm-hmm. You know, you have guys like Bobby Lashley who ha- who is an undefeated Bellator fighter. You know, he's never lost a, a, an MMA fight. You have guys like Jake Hager who's also undefeated in Bellator in in MMA fights. You have Matt Riddle who fought at the highest levels of MMA. You know, he fought in the UFC for 6 years or 7 years. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy those guys will legitimately fuck you up mm-hmm. and have a smile on their face when they're doing it. Yeah. That, it, that's where somebody, a little pipsqueak like Bill Maher, should learn, and John Stossel mm-hmm. and these other reporters should learn to choose their words very, very carefully. Yep. You know? Holly might be one of those that I think. Oh, Bob Bob Holly is just a miserable bastard. Yeah. And a, t- and a legitimate tough guy. Yeah. You know, Bob Holly will just beat the shit out of you. But it's funny, it's like, you'll hear this like, you know, well, you know, Bob Holly's this, and you'll hear this from like, I've heard this on, from Jim Ross, and I've heard this from some of the the interviews and all that. It's like, you know, but, you know, would you book him if he came by? Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, 100%. It's like, it, there's, you know, it's, yeah, he has an attitude. Yep, he's, but but still, he, he puts butts in the seats. He, I mean, he's, he's what, back in the day, they used to call a carpenter. Mm-hmm. He won't draw you the house, but I'll help you build it. Yep. You know, and Bob Holly was, you know, he's a, a damn solid worker. He can have a good match with anybody. Oh, yeah. Don't piss him off. Yep. And I enjoyed, I, I did enjoy, you know, the the gimmicks that he had. Well, except, well, when he, he just was always mad and, and rightly so. Yeah. But that was, that was, you know, that's Bob Holly. He's yeah. A, he's a miserable prick. <laughs> You know, by all accounts, he's a miserable son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. But any, any booker worth his salt would love to have him on his crew. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, we've hit an hour and a half. I think we can yep. put a bow on things. Yep, and next week we'll reach in the dirty bucket again. Yep, we'll reach in the dirty bucket next week. Um, I lost my train of thought. Some people have brain farts. Sometimes my brain completely you, shits you its just, pants. You just derailed, and you just had no idea. It's like, what I do now? No, why? Yeah. Don't make fun of Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so easy. <laughs> All right. So we'll see you next week. Next week, we'll pick a topic out of the dirt bucket with no preparation or preparation H. Yes, unless it's one of those that I put in there. I'm actually going to toss that one out because I don't think that we're cultured enough to talk about that. I put it as a joke, and the more I think about it, it shouldn't be in there, but I won't tell anybody what it is until it comes up. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll allow you to say, no, I don't want to do that one. Yes, because, no, well, I, I wouldn't mind doing it, but you are an uncultured swine. So? <laughs> this is why we have See? this. He's playing with his mustache and goatee again. Huh? huh? What do you think? Uh, on that note, I'm going to call this a day. <laughs> All right, this has been Oh No, Not Them. We'll see you next week. I'm Eric. I'm Bill. Have a good one.